0: okay how is everyone good good to see you all welcome okay we're going to we're going to continue our series then in john's gospel and this is the fourth one and uh, i've entitled it bringing people to jesus if you were with us last week or if you watched it online you know that we focused on john the baptist and um, how he fitted into the life and ministry of Jesus and what we could learn from that. And we saw that John described himself as a voice crying in the wilderness, a voice, that's what we are. We're not the word, Jesus is the word, he's the message, amen? But we are a voice through which the message is poured. God takes each one of us uh, individually, as we are, unique. And he pours himself through us, through our lips, through our life. That's why I said yes, uh, last week, don't be an echo. Don't try to be an echo of someone else. Be who you are. Let God manifest himself, his life, his message through you. And uh, we saw that John had a very distinct message and it was this. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, that's not a complicated message. We can all share that message. That is the gospel. Amen. And God is looking to you and to me to be a witness or a messenger, a voice through which that that wonderful good news is given to those that God brings us to by his grace and opens up the door to share that with Uh, so that was his message and then the other thing that we saw is that john did not draw attention to himself he did not want people to be connected to him he was not trying to connect people to him to build himself up or his ministry his kingdom as it were he could have he had a big crowd following him multitudes went out into the wilderness to hear him but he deflected the attention away from himself and he said i am not the messiah i am not the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God. And he said, there's such a great distance between Jesus and me that I'm not even worthy to stoop down and undo his sandal strap. And, and so we're going to see that, that those two points were kind of repeated in the passage that we're looking at this morning. We're, we're still in chapter one. Of John's gospel starting at verse 35 and going through to the end to verse 51 so let's just have a look at that what can we learn from John the Baptist first that his main message is that Jesus is the Lamb of God see here he repeats it he says again the next day Jesus stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked he said behold the Lamb of God Now, why do you think the Apostle John included this twice because he wants us to know that was the message of john that's what he kept preaching Uh, don't get away from that keep the focus on jesus and his finished work on the cross and then we read this again that he did not gather disciples to himself this is beautiful what we read here it says the two disciples heard him speak that's the two disciples of john the baptist heard him speak and they followed jesus they left John, no longer his disciples, and followed Jesus, became his disciples. And, and that's what ministry is. It's connecting people to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to our ministry. Uh, you know, people, yeah, can, be, can, can, can support a ministry. They can attend a church and so on. Of course, there's a place for that. But we're not connecting people to us and we're not getting people to look to us as their life source. That's called codependency. We're not into that. Codependency. We're into Christ dependence. Amen. I remember one guy phoned me up once and he said, um, um, "I'm thinking about coming to your church, um, but you know I've been to a lot of other churches and they didn't kind of measure up and they didn't do this for me. They didn't do that. They didn't do the other." They said, "Now you're not going to let me down, are you?" I said, "Well, let me make something very clear. We're about connecting you to Jesus." Not you to us, okay? Otherwise, you live like a leech, sucking the blood out of us. And we're not here for that. We're here to connect you to Jesus, so you might know life from Him. Amen. And that's what John. John was not sad. The two disciples left him and they followed Jesus. Amen. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, "What do you seek?" That's a good question. What do you want? Why are you following me? You see, it says in another place that he knew what was in man. He didn't need for anyone to tell him, you know. Uh, He knew what was in the heart of men. And sometimes people follow for the wrong reasons. And Jesus experienced all of these. He could have been asking in that question, are you legalists wanting to argue about points of the law? which was what the Pharisees were always doing. They were, they were following Jesus, but they, they wanted to catch him out. They wanted to trap him in his words. They asked him trick questions uh, because they wanted to see whether he really was in, in, in alignment with the law and all those sort of things. So he, he could have been asking that. What, what are you seeking? Are you, are you here just to argue points of doctrine? Or he could have been asking this. Are you seeking blessings or the blesser? Remember that um, Jesus blessed many, many people. But he made it clear, don't follow me for the blessings. You remember he fed the 5,000 and then I kept following him. You know, uh, hoping that he would keep supplying bread to them. Doing miracles for them. And he said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. Don't seek that bread that perishes. You know, sadly, the the most popular ministries are those that can offer... The blessings this is what jesus wants to do for you he's going to give you healing he's going to give you prosperity he's going to do this he's going to do that he's going to and they keep on putting the bait out there so people flock to their ministries many get disappointed because jesus doesn't always give us everything we ask for amen what he wants is for us to connect to him to connect to him okay he could have been asking are you an opportunist looking for position and power seeing that many people were following jesus maybe they thought he was going to overthrow the roman power and uh, and set up his kingdom do you have an agenda like the zealots remember actually there was one man who was a disciple of jesus called simon the zealot they were looking for the overthrow of the roman empire they were looking for a messiah actually who would come and do that and they would follow him but jesus had come to build his kingdom which is the kingdom of heaven amen okay so he says what are you seeking they said to him rabbi which is to say when translated teacher where are you staying he said to them come and see they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day and it was about the tenth hour that's a good question He asked, what are you looking for? They said, where are you staying? We don't want something from you. We want to be with you. Where are you staying? That word means abiding, actually. This showed that they didn't want something from him as much as they longed to be with him. What they desired was fellowship, connection. Somebody said here this morning, I think, um, in the prayers or something that was said, that, that Jesus wants a relationship. That's why he created us. That we might have a relationship with him amen that's that's what it's about it's not about um, religion it's not about blessings and and, and things and issues and and, and events and all that sort of thing it's that we might be connected to him and have a personal relationship with him the greatest thing that's why he created us and that's when we fail that's why he redeemed us so that we might be brought back to him and that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to abide in him. Amen. So one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "We've found the Messiah," which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. This is this is our theme. You see John brought these to do, to Jesus. And those that were brought to Jesus brought others to Jesus. Are you getting the picture? Amen. So he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Interesting. Every time Andrew is mentioned in the Gospel of John, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. That's what he was known for. He brought Simon Peter. To, you know, Peter, we know, became the spokesman of the, of the, of the disciples, the apostles. Uh, as I've shared with you before, if you read the Gospels, you read everything that all the disciples said. Peter, it's re, what's recorded, said more than the 11, the, the 11 others put together. <laughs> so he was the dominant one. And then when we come over to the book of Acts, he, he is the one that, is, um, that dominates the first half of that book of Acts, first 12 chapters at least. And so he was a keeper. You know, we, we thank God for Peter, but we, we can thank Andrew for Peter. Because he brought him to Jesus. It's very important to see this. We're going to look at something in just a moment. Because throughout the centuries, this is how most people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. You remember um, when Jesus fed the 5,000? There, there was a crisis like before him. And we're going to feed all these people. And the little boy had five loaves and two fishes. It came to Andrew, or it came to Andrew's attention. He said, well, I don't know what to do with this, but let's bring it to Jesus. Let's bring it to Jesus. Brought the boy, this little boy, he's got five loaves and two fishes. Brought it to Jesus. Amen? In chapter 12, there were some Greeks amongst the, the crowd, Gentiles. And, and um, they came to Philip because Philip had a connection there. But Philip didn't bring them to Jesus. He brought them to Andrew because he knew that Andrew had a way of bringing people to Jesus. And uh, that's, that's really what it's about in terms of ministry. It's bringing people to Jesus. That's how that's how. His church has grown over the centuries. I think I've shared with you before that um, I I once was given an opportunity to preach to a congregation of, well, the pastor said it was 10,000. It wasn't really 10,000. He was speaking evangelistically, um, as many evangelists do. And uh, more like 5,000, but still a big number, more than I'd ever preached at. And, And I couldn't sleep that night just thinking about this, you know, this, this big responsibility. But you know what, it was an anticlimax after. It was like, okay, so what? Nothing really much happened, there was a big event, they had to set it all up, they just, people came in, there was two congregations, one in, one out, one in, one out, and that was it, it was all over, we all went away. I went away thinking, well, what happened there really? What took place? But you know what I've discovered over the years that I get more satisfaction in talking to a group like this or a small group, or even one-on-one, when people really get lit up, really get the message, God does something in their heart, because I know, I know, they're going to take it away, and do the same with others, and it's going to go on, and on, and on, that's, that's his plan, that's his strategy, amen, never said go and get a crowd, and preach to as many as you can, he said make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples, I mean, I've shared this with you before as well. Must be getting old when I keep repeating stuff. But anyway, you're getting old because you keep forgetting. go. In 1858, a Sunday school teacher called Mr. Kimball, who you've never heard of, I've never heard of, led a Boston shoe clerk to Christ. The clerk, Dwight L. Moody, or we, we refer to him as D. L. Moody, became an evangelist. In England in 1879, his ministry impacted F.B. Mayer, pastor of a small church. F.B. Mayer preached to an American college campus and a student named J. Wilbur Chapman came to Christ. Chapman engaged in YMCA work, employed a, a former baseball player called Billy Sunday. Some of you may know these names, <coughs> who, uh, uh, to do an evangelistic work. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte Northern Carolina. A group of local men were so enthusiastic afterwards that they planned another evangelistic campaign, bringing Mordecai Ham to town to preach. During Ham's revival, a young man named Billy Graham heard the gospel and yielded his life to Christ. We know about Billy Graham, D.L. Moody, F.B. Mayer, Billy Sunday, but how many have heard of Mr. Kimball? That's how God works, friends. That's how God works. I remember Roz sharing a few things, and I asked her to give me a couple of examples. of Because, you know, in our ministry in Zambia, that's how it's grown. We used to go year after year, take conferences and, and be impressed by the crowds. But then they went back, and not, not much was happening through the year. They went back into their old ways, their old ways of thinking. And then i think it was david and ross came up with the idea let's let's establish discipleship groups we call them schools of ministry or bible schools just little groups of 10 and over you know teach them what what we're teaching here through usb and through tvs and 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 we started doing that and this is what was happening all of a sudden it exploded Now here's a couple of examples that little book that I wrote called The Road Ahead, the first study in that is Are you sure you're saved? How to be sure you're saved? And somebody, I mean, in fact, there's two different reports whether that was taken by somebody from here in Australia. It wasn't taken by us initially. Somebody here, I think, from Melbourne is one account, and somebody else said it was taken from somebody in South um, Africa to this prison in Zambia. And in this prison, there was a man called Joseph Miliata, who was on death row uh, for something he didn't do, by the way. But, you know, he was sure to be executed unless God intervened and did a miracle. And in this prison, there were lots of beliefs and, and doctrines and cults, and nobody had the assurance of salvation, nobody because every everything that was being taught is that it was up to you and your works you had to do something to get the assurance of salvation and when he read that study his eyes were open the scales fell from his eyes and he understood this is the gospel it's about what Jesus has done for us behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world this is it And he studied all the scriptures and he could see this is what it's about. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So he began to teach that. And honestly, the whole prison got cleaned up. Every false doctrine eventually was eliminated. And people understood the way of salvation. And then he led many people to Christ. Now, you know, there are many testimonies how the sort of tentacles of this life have gone out in so many different directions it's like network marketing, <laughs> spiritually. Yeah, it started by Jesus, by the way, not by Amway. And one guy that he influenced was a guy that we know very well—a beautiful guy called Pastor Kwacha Mavula, Mavula who is a, a head, head of uh, you know the chaplaincy over there. A lovely guy, got a big heart, just loves the prisoners and you know just cares for them. But he didn't understand the true gospel. We know that for a fact. We talked with him in some of his meetings and the stuff that was being shared was horrendous. But he he got to see that it was about Jesus too. So his student kind of led him to the true gospel. And then he um, shared this with a chaplain in another prison, Mumbashi prison, called Chaplain Matthias. Okay, so he got his eyes opened and then he shared it with a guy that we have prayed for in this church called Chishimba. Do you remember Chishimba? He was the guy, the wild guy that was into witchcraft and everything. Crazy guy, but he got wonderfully saved and cleaned up and and he started preaching the true gospel. And he, he created so many enemies because a lot of people were teaching that it's all about money. You've got to give money to get blessings. And so they went out of business and they hated him. They tried to kill him, they poisoned him. You remember, we prayed for him. He nearly died, that guy, because he was doing such an effective work for God. And, and, and God answered our prayers and, and brought him, uh, saved him and spared his life. And um, anyway, backtracking, this is before he came out. He, he was transferred to another prison in Mansa. And there he shared with a guy called Levi Mapundu. And uh, he came alive with the true gospel and became uh, a student. Sorry, no, he, he, uh, yeah, he shared it with a, uh, another person, a pastor called Pastor Ngoi in Chienga, right on the border of the, the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And uh, he shared, he, he set up a ministry and, and, and many Congolese pastors came and uh, free settlers to this school of ministry that he said, and on and on it goes. <coughs> That's how Jesus builds his church. Amen? I'll give you an example here, okay? And this is only from this week. Good to see Trevor and Rochelle with us uh, this morning. And, um, you know, Trevor, <laughs> they won't mind me tell, telling you this. Trevor and Rochelle, when they came here, led by the Spirit of God, they were up to here with legalism. They had so much legalism. They've been in so many cults and legalistic churches in fact when they came to us they were in the middle of a 21 day fast <laughs> Believe, because they were told if you do this that will set you up for the year god will bless you throughout the years all your other prayers will get answered and blah 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 and so you know they, they've been around this thing many times and uh, anyway we started to build a relationship with them i met with them i think on a weekly basis either in their home or my home and we we just did some discipleship went through the scriptures and all of a sudden, their eyes were opened and, and they saw the truth. And, and they've been sharing that with others. And they shared with me just two days ago that they were out walking their dog Dashy, and, and uh, just started talking with this guy who noticed they were so happy. He said, you must be Christians, you, you're so happy. And uh, he was a Christian too, but he, he was afraid he was going to hell because of all the mistakes he'd made and all the, all, all, you know, all his failures. And Trevor was able to share with him because this guy was really, um, you know, kind of really convicted by a wrong understanding of Hebrews 6 and 10. And Trevor said, well, that's what troubled me until I understood that that's not really what he's talking about. That was addressing Jews who would not come into the gospel, who kept rejecting Jesus. And there's no way of escape for anyone that does that. There's, there's, there's no other sacrifice that can deal with your sin. And so this guy started to get the joy of the Lord and they're going to take him to church and and, uh, build a relationship with him. That's how it works, friends. Bringing people to Jesus. Don't look for a big kind of, you know, crowd or success on big ministry. Just share Jesus. Be the voice. Let him live through you and speak through you and let God bring people to you And see how things change. So, so Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus said to him, Your name is Peter, Simon, Peter, Simon. But you shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. Why did he say that? Because he was anything but a stone, anything but solid. He was a leaf. Driven with the wind, this way, that way, wherever the wind was blowing, he was all over the place. Quick on promises, quick on commitments, but very poor on follow through. And, and people knew that about people, Peter. They knew that was his character. He was one of those people. But Jesus looked at him and said, you are called Simon, but you shall be called Cephas, which is a stone. Now, when, when, when we read of a, a change of name, in the bible it implied a change of character and a change of destiny where god is bringing us to do you remember god came to abraham abraham and sarai abraham means exhorted father sarai means princess but he changed their names he said your name will be called abraham father of many nations now that was that was just far out because they didn't have one child and they couldn't have children same with With uh, Sarah, Sarah became Sarah. Yes, princess, but but also mother of many nations, and that was a destiny that he set over them. He changed their name as as a promise and an encouragement of the work he would do in them. They couldn't do it; it needed a miracle. Same with Peter. Nobody can change someone like Peter, someone like me, someone like you. It takes the work of grace, and God gave him this promise by changing his name when you're connected to Jesus you're never the same again you're transformed and will continue to be so somebody saw Michelangelo working on this big blob of marble and asked him what are you doing He was chipping away he said I'm releasing an angel releasing an angel I saw the angel in the marble and carved him until I set him free. Michelangelo. Took a 21-foot slab of stone, carved out this work of art we, we know as David. You know, Jesus is doing a similar thing to you and to me. It's his work. It's a work of grace. Don't turn it around make it your work. He's doing the work in you. We're being transformed by the power of his grace. Hallelujah. I love this verse in the book of Revelation. Jesus said to this church, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and I will give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Now, what many translators believe, and I I, I agree with them on this, is that what Jesus was saying there is this. You know, you, you think about an area in your life where you struggle the most. Maybe you're even ashamed to talk about it. But Jesus knows about it. And he's the one that's working in you. And he's going to change you in such a way that the new name that he will give you and give I, will correspond to that work of grace which only you know. Amen? He'll give you a new name and you'll look at him and he'll look at you and it's almost like saying, we know what we're talking about here, don't we? It's what Jesus has done in our lives. Hallelujah. And when Jesus saw Cephas, everybody thought, oh, you know, here goes Peter. He's going to open his mouth again and, you know, sidle up to Jesus. But Jesus gave him this promise in front of everyone else. You're caught, Simon, but you will be caught. Cephas, a stone, you'll be solid. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter and Philip found Nathanael. See, people bringing people to Jesus. And said to him we have found him of whom moses in the law and also the prophets wrote jesus of nazareth the son of joseph him whom the scriptures say see the old testament cannot properly be understood unless christ is seen as the central theme remember the old testament is the only scriptures the early church had yet they preached jesus from this jesus is full the, it's all the way throughout the whole of the, the Old Testament. Jesus said you, you, to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures. These are they which testify of me. So if we read the Old Testament and, and that's not the message that we're getting from it, then, you know, you, we're reading it wrong. The message is about Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Nathaniel said to him, can any good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Now, why, why did he say, why, why did Nathaniel say that? There, there was a jealousy and a rivalry between towns like Cana and Nazareth. And it might have been like that, Oh, you know, that town, uh, put down for the town itself. But probably the meaning was, can the Messiah come from there? Where is that in the Old Testament? You see, that's the way he was thinking because it does seem that he, he had a love for the word. He knew some of the word. And it's true. There's nothing in the word that says that Jesus will come from Nazareth. But what he didn't know is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And they fled to Nazareth. They fled to Galilee, that, that area. Remember? And they, they, he was brought up there. So we, sometimes we can read the Bible and say, oh, but this, you know, is it, this, is, this doesn't make sense when we read the Bible. And we can reject things, but we don't know all things, friends. Now, he said, can any good come out of Nazareth? Philip didn't argue with him. Notice that. They didn't get into an argument about whether anything good can come out of Nazareth or not. He just said, come and see. Isn't that wisdom? Come and see Jesus for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Scottish have a saying, is better felt than telt. You can tell people, you can, you can talk to them, but, but hey, give it a go, open up your life, let Jesus come in, don't, you know, you reject him without even trying him. At least let him come into your life and demonstrate his love to you and prove himself to you. Come and see. Okay, now we're gonna read the rest of this passage and just talk about this for a moment. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of of Israel now I don't know about you but I've read this passage many times I thought well it didn't take much to convince him did it <laughs> Jesus said oh, I saw you under the tree there oh well you're the son of God <laughs> I, I could never work that out you know um, the fig tree was it was like it was like you know if, if you've got a room you go to to be quiet maybe a time with the Lord or something like that that was their quiet place Every Jew had a fig tree. They went and sat under the fig tree to meditate, to read and so on. And there was Nathanael and Jesus saw him. He said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no God. So he said, you're the son of God. I could never work that out. But we need to read on to, to, to really understand what happened here. Let's read on. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? you will see greater things than these and he said to him most assuredly i say to you hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of god ascending and descending upon the son of man now let me ask you bible scholars where do you read about heaven open and angels ascending and descending where do you read about that jacob Jacob, now what was the circumstances? What was the, the context? Jacob was running for his life, running away from a brother that, was, that vowed to kill him. Why did he do that? Because he had deceived them so much. Now, the, the Jacob's problem was that he had this problem of deception. He was a deceiver. His name, Jacob, means supplanter or heel catcher, even even when he was being born. Uh, Esau was the firstborn, but it was like he's trying to grab his heel and and pull him back and come out first to get the blessing of the firstborn. And uh, Jacob, that's why he was called Jacob, because that was kind of like he's going to be his character, his name, and it was going to reflect what sort of person he was. And as he grew up, he was a very cunning man, very sly man, a trickster. Manipulator. He manipulated his brother out of the birthright. Remember that? Waiting for him to be hungry and said, well, I've got a nice, as it happens, <laughs> pot of stew on, the, on here. You can have it. Just, just give me your birthright. And he got his birthright out of him. And then he deceived his father to make him think that he was Esau. Yeah, to get the blessing when his father was blind. And also he, he tricked his brother. And, and, and so all these things caught up with him and he, he was running for his life. And he, he, he lay down in this place called Bethel. He called it Bethel, the house of God. And he had this dream and in this dream, heaven was open and angels were ascending and descending and, and God promised him, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna be with you and, and I'm gonna bless you. You're going to multiply the north, the south, the east, the west, in all directions. You know, the patriarchal blessing from Abraham, Isaac, was going to come upon him, not upon Esau. And I'm going to protect you where you're going. And I'm going to bring you back safely to this place. And you know what he did when he woke up? He said, God, if you will do all that, I'll give you 10%. I'm giving it to you, it's grace can you imagine God saying to the angels now that's a good deal, you get the contract down there, we'll sign that, 10% that's pretty good that was Jacob always manipulating and and deceiving and so Jesus saw Nathaniel reading that scripture reading that he said, there is an Israelite in whom there is no guile you're not like the person you are reading and so because he was able to reveal to Nathanael which part of the scriptures he was reading, the Old Testament scriptures, he said, you're the son of God. You know, how did you know what I was reading? That's basically what he was saying. And then Jesus went on to say, just like, let me just, let's just go to the next thing. Um, because I'm getting a bit ahead of myself now. Here's something. When we have an encounter with Jesus, two things happen. Number one, We have a revelation of who he is he's the son of God he knows all things he's omniscient but number two we discover he knows all about us nathaniel answered and said to him rabbi you're the son of god this is the amazing thing about jesus friends i mean we're going to see in a moment that john's purpose in sharing the gospel was to reveal that Jesus is the Son of God, that we might believe in him as the Son of God, the deity of Christ. Amen. And there are certain things that bring us to that point, certain aspects of revelation and understanding. And, and, and for Nathaniel, it was this. And, and I trust it is for us too. Jesus knows every single thing about us he knows the number of hairs on your head he knows more about us than we know ourselves, amen but secondly not only is there nobody that knows as much about us as Jesus, there's nobody that loves us as much as he does, he knows all the wrong I've done all the mistakes I've made, all the stupid things I've said and thought and done over the years he knows more than anyone else but nobody loves me as much as he does. When you see that, those two things combine, you say, you're the son of God. You are God manifest in the flesh. God who is love, I've come to behold you now, to know that this is the love of God. Amen. This was sure evidence that a work of grace had been wrought in Nathaniel. The eyes of his understanding were opened to behold the deity of Jesus and confess him as the Son of God it is significant that in this this fourth gospel we find there are seven who bear witness to Christ's deity not just that he was the Messiah we looked at that before but that the deity of Christ first of all John the Baptist John bore witness saying I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained he remained upon him I did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him this is he who baptizes with the holy spirit and i have seen said john the baptist and testified that this is the son of god then the second one in order was nathaniel which we've just looked at then came peter when 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 jesus said to those who he just fed the 5000 who were kept following him for bread You know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Then they all went away. He said, will you go away also? To his disciples, Simon Peter answered and said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have come to believe and know you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the deity of Christ. Then there was Jesus himself. Do you say of him? He said, whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. They were going to stone him. They said, for what works are you going to stone me? Not your works, but because you called yourself the Son of God, making yourself equal with God. He didn't deny it. He didn't say, oh, you misunderstood what I'm saying. He accepted That's exactly what I'm saying. He testified. Martha, just before Jesus raised, Lazarus from the dead she said to him yes Lord I believe you are the Christ the son of God who is to come into the world and Thomas after the resurrection you know he wasn't there when he revealed himself to the other disciples that he saw the risen Christ Thomas answered and said to him my Lord and my God he fell down at his feet and Jesus did not rebuke any of these that caught him the son of God because that's who he is then, of course, John, the writer of this gospel, sums up right at the end. He said, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Hallelujah. That's why that's we're going through John, just to really strengthen our faith, our understanding of the, the deity of Christ and our faith, our trust, our confidence totally in him. Amen. Okay, let's just finish up here then. Come back to Nathanael. Nathanael had been deeply impressed by what he had witnessed, but Jesus said he would see greater things than these. He would behold an open heaven and the earth directly connected with it. See, this is different to the Jewish understanding. There was no connection between heaven and earth. That was symbolized by the tabernacle, the veil and the tabernacle. God was the other side of the veil. The people were this side. There was no way they could connect except through the high priest once a year. That was all going to change. He would see that which the dream and vision of Jacob in the far past pointed to, the real ladder which linked earth to heaven, which is Christ. Amen. Amen. Jacob received this promise at Bethel. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He saw this picture, and that, that, that was pointing to Jesus, the true ladder from heaven to earth. Angels ascending and descending. Hallelujah. And, you know, I have to laugh because some people teach, you know, like, if you will tithe, God says, I will open this, the storehouse of heaven. I will open the windows of heaven. So if you, give, if you tithe, God will open the windows. The gospel says that when Jesus died, heaven was opened and it's never been closed. You don't have to do anything to open heaven. Jesus is the one that opens heaven. And, and you know, angels of heaven, God working in your life, things happening around you, invisible, just like the angels are, but God is at work in you and around you and and through you, by his grace, just keep looking to Jesus and believing in him and trusting in him. And more than that, trust also that you will be blessed by God to bring people to Jesus. Just like we saw with John the Baptist, Andrew, Philip, that's the way God is building his church. Nothing's changed over 2000 years. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever amen let's pray father we thank you for your word again this morning we just pray that the word would take root in our hearts lord that you are watered by the holy spirit That we would just have simple faith to trust it and believe it and then to see it's working in our hearts and lives lord even this week connect us to people that you want us to share jesus with we pray Knowing that, Lord, however small, however weak and fortering our sharing might be, it's not that which counts. It's the fact that you are the one that gives the increase. So bless us, Lord, as we go out this week and make us a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Amen.